0: All right, y'all. It's Lisa Clapper. This is the yay show. Listen, it's very clear that I need to email out that I'm doing this to people and talk more about it because more of you need to be listening to me, listening to other people, um, especially if you're white. So I must apologize to Dr. Akila Kadeh for not Knowing how to pronounce her name, which is pronounced cadet, not cadet, is French people. It's French. It's French. First cadet soldier cadet, Dr. Akila Cadet. I just got through listening to her episode that she recorded on June 5th with Adrian Kimball of the Melanated Soul and Adrian and. Obviously, Akilah had this conversation, and the title of the podcast was For White Women. And as you may know, I am a white woman, for better or for worse. And there were many things to learn. And so I am doing a... I used to do driving yay shows sometimes back when I was just doing recordings on my voice memo, and now I'm going to do one for a few more minutes and see what happens, and I might catch you more later, if all of this works, and sometimes it doesn't work at all, because it's raw, but I want to talk about it while it's fresh for me and fresh for you, and so there's so many things to digest and to think about as a white woman, but um, check this out. I I don't know. You might know these things. I did not know these things. So, 40% of slave owners were white women. 40%. Okay, that's almost half. Now, I'm not a math genius, but I know that much. Also, they, um, you know, they were inherit either they inherited slaves, but it was, or they had them from a previous marriage or some crazy bullshit like that, and they. That was a way for them to have power over somebody because they didn't have power over white men. And apparently, again, like, it's hard for me to believe this because I guess I'm not a study. So I need to take one of Dr. Kila Kadeh's workshops and get deeper on this and get more um, knowledgeable about power and privilege. But um, I'm going to make some uh assumptions and sort of connections here based on what i heard that one of the ways that power and privilege works is that people feel the need to um put uh what do they think they don't believe that there is enough or that we all belong and therefore they feel the need that somebody needs to be down somebody needs to be on the bottom somebody needs to be oppressed And in this case, owned, which is, I guess, the very, the very um, nadir, the worst possible kind of oppression would be to own a human, right? Wouldn't you think? So, anyway, so you don't own anyone. You don't own me. You're not the boss of me, that's for sure, because I do not like to be bossed around call me what you will so the other thing they talked about was they talked about a lot of things but the other thing they talked about that I found surprising and interesting was that so white women long after um emancipation act in the south long after that they were they put statues they put these statues of confederate um figures what would you even call them up throughout the South and those are there because they were mourning the loss of their power, mourning the loss of their power and they could not get over the fact that they didn't have power anymore, which is a whole other thing, right? And the ladies, Adrian and Akilah, talked about how women, white women, white women, they tend to identify first as white. And second as a woman and they because of the institutional and cultural patriarchy right they these white women and I'm saying they because I don't I gotta tell you I do not I do not like uphold white I mean ask any white man I worked for ask all the white women I worked for like I do not abide by this idea of attaching myself to them. And the minute that starts to seem to happen, it's like usually when I want out or start pushing back in various ways. So I am not of the mindset. I am not of the behavior. I am not, um, for some reason, thankfully, culturally attuned to attach myself to white men to succeed and to think that I need to I need to uphold that institution of of white supremacy and the the patriarchy, because that's the only way that I will succeed. In fact, I, I will say right here, I would much rather align with women of all colors, black women, indigenous women, people of color, as well as men, black, indigenous, people of color, anything but white men, with some exceptions, again, so he's exceptions to this, but I would much rather align, I mean, who was that, Jesse Jackson, we were supposed to have this, like, people's coalition, I forget what he called it, but why wouldn't I want to walk arm in arm with black women rather than white men? That's how I feel about it, and I'm honest, like, and you can call me out if you don't believe me, call me out. Listen to 156 or so episodes of my podcast, I'd be happy to send you the ones that are not officially podcasts, and you can you can go ahead and audit. Nobody wants to do that work. That sounds exhausting. Speaking of which, Akilah said, White women are exhausting. Wow. I don't want to be an exhausting white woman. I don't want to be a Karen or a Becky or an Amy Cooper. I will not be those people. I liked it when um, Adrian asked this question. She's like, all you got to do is ask yourself some questions. And your brain, this powerful machine, will work in the background to help you find new ways and tools to achieve those. You have to be both, I forget how she put it, but like both grounded and aspirational. So if I say like, my question is, how did I become such a good anti-racist? And then I work back to that. It's like the, you know, classic visioning stuff. How did I become such a great anti-racist? Well, you know, whatever that date was in time when I put a line in the sand that I would be explicitly anti-racist and that I would no longer let my friends or anyone who I came into contact with get away with a generalization that was uninformed, that I would educate them and I would become educated myself and I would keep um, listening and elevating black voices especially women because that is my thing to elevate women and so it's very um, easy sounds like a cop-out word but it's very easy for me to just listen to women and why not listen to a whole lot more black women right now because they have things to teach us and learn so those are some of the things I learned right white women Um, 40% of slave owners were white women. One. Two, white women in the South held on to this idea of slavery and confederacy because they missed their power. And they, you know, let's fucking blame them. You know, they are to blame for these statues that are still not all gone, right? Let's not even talk about the baseball teams that are still named after... Like the Cleveland Indians and the Atlanta Braves, I can't believe we're still dealing with that and these horrific racist symbols. Okay, so that's a that's a tangent as I have moved from Southern Pomo to Greaton Rancheria to probably Miwok. Now I went through Miwok, which would have been um, Marin County, and now I'm in San Francisco. Welcome back! I haven't been here in I don't know ten days. Crazy. Anyway, welcome back to San Francisco, um, which is Ohlone. I'm on the land of the Ohlone people, and I think there might be a couple of other tribes or, or different divisions of tribes that I could get more versed in telling you about. So, what else did I learn in these last 40 minutes that I was listening to these amazing women? And Akilah says at the end of her show, keep being amazing. I'm going to take that too. I'm going to own that. Okay. So there's social contracts, people. And Amy Cooper was breaking a social contract. She was breaking a posted law. And Christian Cooper, the bird watching black man, called her out on that. And she called the police because she was defending her power and her right to be more important than him, which is ridiculous. Why do I need to do that? I don't need to defend my power over anyone. So what Adrian, I'm getting loud now. What Adrian talked about was like white women in particular, they need, we need to understand that we are powerful, but we also need to get comfortable being powerless and that is so interesting for so many reasons, okay? Number one is that we're always told to be more powerful and that being powerless is um, something that, uh, you know, powerlessness is like the worst thing you can be. It's definitely something in psychological and self-help and um, what else would you call those? Like self-empowerment. Workshops, handbooks, etc. Even psychologically, powerlessness is a very um, potentially fraught place to be. And I think it's like, I think if you listen, like at the intersection of like feelings of powerlessness and powerfulness, I think that's where real danger happens. And so I think that the main, you know, obviously there's dangers in what we're describing of white women, like Amy Cooper calling the police for things that were not, like like she just exercised some power to take back some power in that relationship. We don't know why, but we're really glad that we now get to use her as an example to learn from and not be like, right? So don't Amy Cooper people, right? Um, And if you decide to flout the rules, because I know a lot of you, you know, have dogs, and, you know, if you're hiking with your dog in a place where you're not supposed to be hiking with your dog, like in a national park, or your dog's off-leash, you should be prepared for people to call you out on that, um, I, it's interesting dynamic, I had an experience today, briefly, where, you know, people don't know how to wear their masks, right, they don't know how to wear their facial coverings, they are, I suppose, trying, doing the best they can, right? I suppose. But I saw this dude, this old white man, like middle-aged white man, and he's wearing his mask. It's not covering his nose. So that's not going to help me. If he sneezes, I'm fucking dead from corona. Exaggerating. But, and I'm like, I kind of muttered under my breath that he... Like, you're supposed to cover your nose, right? And I'm thinking, like, I should have just fucking said to him, pull that mask up and cover your nose too. It's not doing its effective job. But I felt um, like I wasn't, I was less powerful in that situation. And I was intimidated by what he would have said to me. Okay, next time I won't like, get away with that. I won't do that. I mean, like, I think that that's a social contract. That's a health contract that we were talking about. And that's an example of, well, I've got to do better. I got to do better." Um, and that is related to, you know, health and safety, and it's also a social contract, and it's also behaviorally, and you know, such and such. And I think it was just that he's not aware, which again is the problem, right? So then Adrian said the steps are simple, right? And I'm going to come back to a couple of things that she said later. I will come back to a couple of things that she said before in a moment. and What she said was, there's three steps, wake up, wake up, become aware, wake up, grow up, right? Grow up, right? Put away your childish things and show up. So simple, wake up, grow up, show up. And so that, you know, that requires doing some inner work sometimes to really examine where you are on this journey on the spectrum of becoming an active, vocal anti-racist. To be explicitly anti-racist means stating that. It doesn't mean you can, you can't get away with not having a position anymore because it's the implicit position is that you're upholding white supremacy, like the person who just drove right by me in a way that was very challenging. But I don't care because I'm a very calm driver and I don't care because I'm just talking to you. And it's like, you know, whatever. They have some chip on their shoulder about something, but that doesn't really matter to this conversation. It probably does, but I'm not going to like go on one of my normal tangent segues. Welcome back to San Francisco, Lisa. I'm back in the mission. Uh, so, wake up, grow up, show up. Also, she talked about, and this is what, you know, and I, I think, I'm, I'm almost done with Rodham, which is the alternative universe where Hillary doesn't marry Bill, but is still involved with him for quite a while. You know, don't tell me the ending. I won't tell you the ending. It's not real. It's fictionalized. But anyway, when she said that white women, and I voted for, okay. I have never not voted Democrat since the minute I was able to. And I voted for Hillary. I voted for Hillary. I voted for Hillary. I voted for Barack. I voted for Obama. I. I would never. If you. Like, I would be. Like. If I was married to some man who didn't. Who was a racist white supremacist more actively, or even just a benign one. And he voted for Trump. It wouldn't matter. I would never vote for Trump. First of all, I would never be married to him. Okay. So there's that. You know, and and that's I think there's like sometimes there's these lines in the sand and it's like there is no I don't mean like if you're a friend of mine and you're listening to this, I would be happy to have a conversation with you. If you think that you're upholding something that ultimately is going to give you power and give you the thing that you've been waiting for by voting for Donald Trump or anyone like him, you are wrong. You are dead wrong, potentially a very dangerous thing. It was not... This is the thing that I most feared, and I'm not a black person, that when we elected, even in the lead-up to electing Donald Trump and then electing him, it would make this sort of thing, that it would make it um, okay to be racist and kill black people and... I don't know. Like, it's just so... It's, it's very very frustrating and I am happy to be frustrated about it and I that's supposed to be my uh, what's that called in my human design that's my my thing it's getting frustrated so it's okay I'm frustrated I should be frustrated and uncomfortable but I'm comfortable doing this right now and talking to you and you better fucking be listening to me because this is ridiculous. So what other things about um, why Hillary wasn't elected, um, or like that apparently white women, you know, not me. Again. I don't know. I feel the need to tell you this, but the white women that they were talking about were the reason they voted for There's my Black Lives Matter post outside of our window. One of the reasons they didn't vote for Hillary was because she did not uphold being, um, she did not uphold the patriarchy or or saying that white supremacy or racism was, the four words they said were true, normal, beautiful. Shoot, I forgot the last one. True, normal, beautiful, or right. Of course it's right. So she didn't, she, she whether implicitly there was any of that going on, but, but she never, like explicitly, she did not stand for those things. She did not stand for being white supremacist and racist. And she did stand for, Um, I could be wrong, but <laughs> I'm just going to say it right now. Call me out. Dismantling the patriarchy. And doing a lot of that. And people were threatened by that, you know, and she's a scholar and a badass and, you know, this would not be, I could be wrong, but, you know, I think, I truly believe that, that some of this wouldn't be happening. On the other hand, I have people who said to me, I don't know, I don't remember who they were. Ugh, I don't remember who they were, but they said, gosh, I'll have to dig into that. It's like people I know, I think they might be a little more woo -woo than I am Um, or they just might be something else more philosophical about this stuff. I don't know. I'm pretty philosophical, but that that because Donald Trump got elected, maybe we're hastening this social justice this racial justice this change this revolution and nobody said that because this stuff this particular part of this movement hadn't happened yet um, that that was that started with George Floyd being murdered and lynched needlessly and then we uncovered and connected Brianna Taylor and then we uncovered and connected Ahmaud Aubrey and yet here we are, um, one of the other things that Akilah Kaday was talking about was, with Adrian Kimball, was that there were more people arrested in the last two weeks over protests, more people of any color, white, black, indigenous, people of color, than have been arrested for killing black people as a cop. Or a person in power. So think about that. We've not arrested, yeah. Anyway, and like you think any of these people should have been arrested, right? And also, I want to. Um, I didn't. I hadn't heard this. hadn't heard this before, but I want to repeat what they said about dispelling this notion that um, protests are going to increase coronavirus um, because. It's actually what they were saying is actually by people crowding people together. If the cops are crowding people together in cells or jamming them together in situations, not letting them social distance, and also using tear gas. It's things like that that are going to do it. Not, um, frankly, this. And honestly, they were talking about uh, women. No, women, men. Anyway, they were talking about people going to brunch, and then there were protests nearby that they weren't paying attention to and they weren't participating in and I forget where I was gonna go with the brunch thing you're probably more apt to increase coronavirus the spread of coronavirus by being um, compelled to go to brunch with each other and not six feet six sit six feet apart especially if you haven't been sheltering in place you're probably gonna you um, are probably going to cause the spread of coronavirus more by feeling the need that you have to go hang out with each other at a park um, and not social distance and not wear a mask, right? You know, again, think about that. Think about the virus and how the virus actually spreads. I went to a protest. We all wore masks. We were, if not six feet apart, we were definitely apart. Everyone was safe. The leaders of the protest three times said if you don't have a mask come get a mask they asked people to get off the podium if they weren't on the speaker docket they made sure that everyone was at at that protest was safe so there's much more i could talk probably for an hour and a half about this even though i only heard 40 minutes of it um adrian kimball's the melanated soul and Aquila cade is Change Kadet, C-A-D-E-T. What else? Um, there are four layers of oppression. Um, you probably, you may have known this. I did not know it. See, so much to learn, so much to learn. There's personal or intrapersonal, the internal layer of oppression of how you feel, what you believe, how you act, um, where that comes from inside. There, that sort of the way that manifests itself. There's interpersonal between another person and you. There is institutional oppression, right? Systems. And then there's cultural oppression. And so cultural is the worst kind. If you think about it. If it's culturally okay, it's socially okay to oppress and be a racist. It's not. It's not okay. Stop doing it. Stop doing it. Wake up. Wake up grow up and show up and speak up okay i will talk to you soon dr akila Kiday, change Kiday, the melanated soul adrian kimball i learned a ton i might add some more later namaste